Welcome to the Monster Time Machine Monster Closet, your retro horror movie review podcast where we take nightmares from the past and relive them in the present. This week's movie, The Conjuring. Released in the year 2013, directed by James Wan, written by Chad Hayes and Carrie W. Hayes. It's a movie about paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren work to help a family terrorized by a dark presence in their farmhouse. I'm your Time Machine host, Chad, and I want to introduce you to my Monster Closet co-host, a man that wants to be left on an island, Mr. Scaredy Pants himself, Jamie. What's up? What's up, Chad? I think last time I wanted to visit the island so I could hide from Freddy's dead. This one, Conjuring might be one of my desert island movies. I'm excited. Oh, okay. curious to hear more. It's the thing. It's been a while since the connected. What's um? Have you watched anything like horror movie related other than the Conjuring since our last Monster Closet podcast? Honestly, I haven't. I I know that the um R.L. Stein Fear Street trilogy came out on Netflix. I've I've got that in my queue. I really want to watch that. Have you Have you seen that come across at I all? Have not. I have not. Is that? Let's see if I'm crossing my wires here. But R.L. Stein is that the same as like Goosebumps? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. same writer. Right. I guess I never read Fear Street. I think they might have been targeted for like a slightly older audience than Goosebumps. Um, right, because Goosebumps was like, what, like preteen? I feel like that was still pretty young, right? Like, yeah, I think preteens about pre-teen. right. I, yeah, I felt like I was like 10 to 12, 13 when I was reading Goosebumps, maybe even yeah. earlier than that. My oldest loves those movies. <laughs> oh, the ones with Me- Jack Black? Yeah. Oh, good call. Th- those yeah, are great. I, I didn't see those. the second one, but the first one I thought was a lot of fun. Yeah, I've seen the second one a lot, <laughs> <laughs> a lot. But he goes through these phases where he just wants to go back and watch Goosebumps. But yeah, he loves them. He kind of likes those. Like, I think he's that might be his shtick is uh, he's on his way to loving the scary and frightening. Oh, he's got also, a horror fan in the making. Yeah, I think so. I think so. He also likes the nightmare before Christmas. He likes things that are kind of on the darker side, I think for us. I mean, he just turned five. So, um, he, God, what else does he like too that he's into? And plus he, he's likes, he's watched, been watching this prank show on uh, Disney plus called walk the prank. Which is kind of, so prank. I think there's a, <laughs> there's a little bit of darkness in that too. Cause I think pranking is you walk the fine line of, uh, making someone laugh or getting shot or stabbed. Right. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, was, I haven't really seen anything horror related either outside of watching The Conjuring this last week that I can think of. But um, yeah, I've been watching some other cool things too, but I'm going to hold that for and re- record uh, Jackie Brown cool. later this night. So we'll look for that. But right now, the most let's uh get on to the topic of the week the conjuring first we'll start off with some box office and some ratings and reviews some critic notes and then we'll dive into our thoughts on the film so the box office had a budget of 20 million and raked in 319 million so i would call that a success it released during the summer of 2013 july 19th to be exact so well, almost uh, eight years to the day, right? If I'm doing my math correctly. Yeah, it does not feel that old, by the way. I don't know how you feel about it, but it doesn't feel eight years old to me. 
No, it's I think it's aged well so far. And I know typically for Movie Time Machine, we've been trying to keep movies like older than 10 years, but we're making exceptions to this because, uh, yeah, I just came across Conjuring and interested in the lore. But we'll get to that later as we go into ratings and reviews. Uh, we'll go through Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomato has an 86% critic score and 83% audience score. IMDb, it has an average of 7.5 out of 10. And the Metacritic average is 68%. Uh, I did for fun here. I just pulled out like the top like Metacritic uh, scored review on here. And how this works is it just takes whatever, you know, metric like that critic uses. If it's like four out of four stars would be the top or five out of or 10 or whatever metric they use. And it puts it into a percentage. So out of 100. So the San Francisco Chronicle here would give it it would be 100. And one of the quotes I read from the review was I'd be shocked if I were to see a better horror film in 2013 and Roger Ebert, but not the Roger Ebert, just from Roger Ebert.com. Uh, one of the critics on there gave it a 25% by saying the conjuring is as toothless as it be. The conjuring is as toothless as it is because it's two different kinds of boring. The film's plot is examined exhaustively whenever loud noises aren't blaring and random objects aren't teasingly leaping at you from the corner of your eye. Yeah, I disagree so, with most of that. Yeah, so those are the critics' thoughts. Jamie, I want to hear your thoughts on why you, I want to say, love this movie. Um, I've heard you talk about this, I feel like, quite a bit in the past. And it's got a lot of hype recently because you wanted to see it when it released. Uh, the latest film released on HBO Max, the third Conjuring movie. But tell me what you like about this movie. Yeah, so I think there's there's a lot to love here. I mean, first of all, I think people who know movies will just appreciate how well technically this movie is made. And I don't have a great vocabulary for that sort of thing, but that's what, you know, more informed technical film reviewers say. So I would agree with them. But but you can see it, you know, even if I don't know exactly what they're doing with the camera, you can feel it the way it moves throughout the house, spends time with the characters, really establishes scene and setting. So it's very well made. And I think what's interesting about this is it, we kind of talked about this when we did The Witch is if there's a movie that genuinely scares me, I often have a hard time revisiting it because I have to, you know, work up my courage to see it again and this almost crosses the line with that but i think that this is one in spite of how much it scares me i still really enjoy it so much and i think for two reasons like i said it's really well made and well three reasons it kind of has a happy ending like bummer horror movie endings definitely serve their place and there's certain ones i like but i think by and large i prefer it when everyone's okay but i think it's because patrick wilson and vera formiga are so good and the way that they set up Ed and Lorraine Warren as these characters who kind of come in and um, are real life Ghostbusters. I think that's a really strong approach that they took. Yeah, I like your comment about just how the film is uh, presented. I think a lot I, I see a lot of areas where like I don't see a lot of like CGI. If it is, it's like worked in very well. A lot seem like there's lots of practical effects in here, or just very like clever um, use of other, you know, tricks to make film. Um, I was, so that really that really surprised me because I was kind of expecting like this this era. I feel like we we're starting to get like heavy CGI, like everything is today. 
um, at least within the last decade, I feel like. And you know how I love CGI. It's your favorite. The, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The And you're talking about like the, the kind of the happy ending horror movie or, you know, the part of this film, which also kind of took me by surprise. I wasn't really expecting that just kind of how it did end on this high notes. Well, kind mm-hmm. of, which I have a question for you in a second here on that. Sure. Um, since I haven't seen this, is the only one I've seen in this movie franchise family um, lore, but yeah, so I, that, I really dug that. And yeah, the chemistry between the two, um, the actors for this uh, portraying Ed and Lorraine Warren. Um, I really like to, which they actually kind of grew on me because in the beginning they came off to me personally as like, oh, they kind of, they kind of come off as kind of icky evangelicals. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yep. <laughs> but I mean, but um, I think, yeah, the stuff that kind of goes on throughout towards the end, like I, I kind of dropped that, just kind of bought into what the movie was and is and went along for the ride. So. Yeah, I'm still intrigued to kind of dive more into some of these other movies and like the lore. And especially with the ending, I don't want to I just want to jump to it and ask you that quick now is the very end of the film when it shows like the music box and like that has like the little what the little turning mirror on it, right? Like the little swirl or whatever. And it stops that last shot and the, the movie's done and the credits roll. Does it is it like does it stop on that monkey toy? Is that what's in the background? Oh, interesting. I you know, and you just kind of sparked a a memory. I think that's kind of popped up in like horror message boards. I think they've identified it like you. Um like what's the story behind this monkey toy? I I didn't notice it. But oh. but now that you said that, I re- I remember, you know, other dialogue and other people bringing this up. So it wouldn't surprise me if something is in the work for that, you know, haunted item. I, I think it's just oh, to say that, like, these ghosts are still with us, with us, like they may have beaten Bathsheba, but like we haven't seen the last of the Warrens or like the evils they're going to face. But but like I said, now that you said that, I feel like I have heard that somewhere else before about the monkey specifically. Good old Bathsheba. <laughs> Bathsheba. <laughs> <laughs> I love that name. That cracked me up. Oh, I know. Well, and I just want to say really quick too. I'm, I'm glad you liked it because I got to say, I feel like I've got a generally good idea of your taste, but once in a while I will be so wrong and it'll be a Chad hates this movie. And I, 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 I'm happy you enjoyed this one because I correct me if I'm wrong, but oftentimes it's, it's with a lot of like popular movies that are, you know, in the zeitgeist. Maybe not. What's that? I just saying like my, the ones that you have a strong aversion to not as like a hard rule, but I, I, you know, I do think that's true of some of them. Yeah. I mean, just because I think I tend to look at those a little more critically or harshly, I guess I, I probably, you know, that raises the bar a little bit for me and what I'm expecting or what I want to see. I'm guessing, but I went in for me though, like before even watching this, I think it was, yeah, you were talking about the conjuring three and 
I just started doing some kind of little bit of research on it and I can't, God, what I can't, Oh, you know what it was? This is what it was, is I started watching The Conjuring and I saw like the opening scene with the Annabelle doll. Uh huh. And I was like, well, wait, wait, wait. I've seen this doll on like a different movie box art or something, movie poster or something. So I Googled Annabelle and then that opened up the door to like, holy shit. Like I didn't know all these like strings were tied to this movie franchise i didn't know oh. all these so like annabelle and like the nun and how all these things kind of interconnect in a way and like these prequels and sequels and all that stuff and i was like okay i'm kind of in this is this is like you know what finally got me into like actually i'm actually gonna sit down and watch the mcu and go through this i know i'm probably not gonna like or enjoy or i'm probably gonna enjoy some more than others and um i kind of just jumped in i know i'm going to be along for the ride and yeah this one surprised me um actually i watched it twice and after the first time i was kind of like eh, whatever mm-hmm. about it i was like it's it's good it's not great it's not bad but then i watched it again actually this morning because i woke up at 3 a.m for some reason reason <laughs> and uh, oh, shit. and i watched it on my phone which i know if james is here and this he'll poo poo it but I, I watched it on my, on my phone and I put on headphones, like some nice headphones and watched it. And I was like, okay, this is actually pretty cool. Cause a lot of the cool, like things they do, um, sonically with like uh-huh. the, uh, the sound choices that they make, it's, it's, it's really cool. And that actually flipped like my kind of uh, thoughts on the film, just by that on these sonic cues that they, give you throughout the movie and just kind of some really cool sound effects and which I thought was pretty entertaining. And maybe because I was watching in the dark at, you know, really early in the morning too, kind of tired. So maybe that added to it, but yeah, I really like that. I agree. I think setting is everything. Like when you choose to watch a horror movie, it's yeah, it's yes. going to be way scarier if it's at night or I'm by myself. Yeah. Yeah. At the- theaters, the, the theater itself is hit or miss. Sometimes that's way scary because it's big and you can't escape. And other times it's like, I know that it's noon outside and I'm going to go right. do an <laughs> right. errand after that or whatever. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. But I think you're right. The setting can definitely influence your mood and how you watch a movie. And it's interesting you said that because I, I remember too, um, I, I liked the movie after my initial viewing but i was probably like oh yeah like that was a b minus like that was pretty good and now it's like a a plus how could i like repeat viewings definitely i found to be rewarding the same way that you did yeah yeah there's some uh things that did pop out to me that i thought was kind of i don't know if it was like intentional or unintentional was the the kind of the recurrence i think the piano kind of pops back in like three specific times or like the piano is a focus like the first time when the i can't old man parent um the parent the father of the parent family is like downstairs i think when they first go into that basement and there's a piano and he plays like the dun 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 over on the keys and later like the piano is like the piano fall or something crashes on the piano it just gives that like loud kind of dissonant noisy like all keys at one time sound you know yeah. which is kind of i thought was funny but i don't know if any of that was intentional i didn't do any research on it but 
little things like that. And, you know, there, I feel like there are kind of some of the silly, like, uh, horror movie tropes, like the silently, not silently, <laughs> the creaking, you know, opening door where it's like, kind of scenes, you know, so yep. I, I got a crack out of that, but. And setting up, I was going to ask you too. I wonder. I had to look this up. Actually, was the scenes where they finally bring all of like the equipment in, the paranormal equipment, like the the mics and you know the headphones, and they're walking around the house and they're setting up all like the thermal. Was it like the thermal detection for if there's like a a drop of temperature, it would take the photos and stuff like that when they're setting everything up. Right. That was like, and they. I think that's when they first go into the basement with all that equipment on and they just have like the one light, it's like a flashlight or whatever, the light that's on the camera and Uh they're they're kind of going around and there's, there's like kind of spot checking different areas in the room with the mic. Um, I got, I was like, Oh my God, I wonder if this inspired ghost hunters or was inspired (laughs) by ghost hunters, the TV show. (laughs) Right. It looks like ghost hunters came out, like started in 2004. I was like, Oh, okay. All right. Maybe but a little. it makes you wonder if Ed and Lorraine inspired like the original ghost hunters, you know, like, oh, yeah, good the call. original good Ed call. and Lorraine Warren. There's probably something to that. Good call. That's um, that's another thing that piqued my interest, too, is like I didn't know. That these were real people. Um, yes. I didn't go too far down that rabbit hole. Do you have um, what's your knowledge of the history of these two individuals. So I'll, I'll preface by saying limited, but what I will say is um, I think like a week or two back, there's a podcast I listen to called astonishing legends and it, it's great. I mean, they, it, it's kind of think of it like the X files, like they talk about UFOs, ghosts, and both of the hosts strike me as believers. They maintain that they're skeptic, but I think they're skeptical believers. Anyway, they um, did an episode on uh, the oldest daughter. Her name is Andrea Perone, uh, played in the film by, I don't know if I'll be able to find the actress, but she wrote um, three books called House of Darkness, House of Light, and the true story, true story of The Conjuring is I think what it's supposed to say. Um, uh-huh. And she kind of chronicles what actually happened to her family in the house and you know there's some similarities some crossovers but i think it might have been a bit more um contentious with ed and lorraine in the uh the real life version and and this is where like i don't claim to be an expert i haven't done enough research because i've heard several things i've heard that um you know in the in the movie i think you said they kind of initially seemed as evangelicals we end up liking them at the end i think part of that is because they start with debunking a different house you know Hmm. so right away it's like okay maybe they do lean more towards science and we'll deal with spiritual if we absolutely have to if that's what it is but i've also heard conflicting reports that like they were actually more keen to say oh it's a ghost it's a ghost you know it wasn't the wind so it's I, the jury's still out, and like I said, I've not done nearly enough research. Um, I I do think it's fair to say that they get the most favorable portrayal in the movies than in other mm. um, other documentation of them. 
Right. So if they are running a business, right, on exercising demons from your home, right? Uh-huh. So like you call them up. They're like, yeah, we, we'll come there. We'll give you like a free, you know, inspection for uh, the paranormal in your home. And uh, if we don't find anything, there's no cost to you. So when you go there, <laughs> it's like we're going to find something, right? Creaking pipes, right? Stuff like that. We're like, well, you know, we'll take care of this demon for you. Right. It's going to cost you a little bit. We're going to need you to leave the house for a few days. And while they're gone, you have someone to come in, you know, like Bob that, you know, that lives down the road from you. You just tell them like, yeah, it's a cousin of mine. You know, they need some pipes fixed in their home that are kind of creaking or cracking. So can you just come over there and fix that? And they fix that up and they have the family come back. They're like, got rid of your spirits. I'm going on a tangent, but you know what I'm saying. You I know what you're saying. You get, my, <laughs> you get my drift. So like it, it was maybe I don't. I guess I didn't look into either to see if they were making any sort of, you know, income off this as like some sort of possible grift. Well, and again, grain of salt. But I think that I don't know if they actually got compensation for like an exorcism or a blessing itself. But I do know that I, th- I think you could tour their room of artifacts. Like, I think that was real. And I think that yes. they would charge a fee to tour the room like P.T. Barnum would. You know, that's not a perfect right. comparison, but you know right. what I mean? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Actually, do you know where that's at? That's, that's something I just found out today as well. Uh, their little, is it because it was, it's, yeah, it's in their home. Like it was in this movie, right? Oh yeah, where they they definitely they show it in the movie because, um, yeah, big part is they have to get home and protect Judy, but that's right, actually cause... a diversion so that, um, the mom can, off her children, and, where is their home? Oh shoot, I'm not seeing it. No, I'm not seeing it. Okay. But I just I mean, uh, we're talking about criticism, so I'm just going to read this little bit from Wikipedia here. It says, okay. according to a 1997 interview with the Connecticut Post that investigated the Warrens for the New England Skeptical Society, they found the couple to be pleasant people, but their claims of demons and ghosts to be, quote, at best, tellers of meaningless ghost stories, and at worst, Dangerous frauds, unquote. They took the $13 tour and looked at the evidence the Warrens had for spirits and ghosts. They watched the videos and took at the best evidence. They watched the videos and looked at the best evidence the Warrens had. Their conclusion, it's all blarney. They found common errors with flashy photography and nothing evil in the artifacts that the Warrens had collected. They have... A ton of fish stories about the evidence they got. They're not doing good scientific investigation. Blah, 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 blah. Kind of what you, I think you would expect from somebody like doing some some skeptics doing investigation on right. paranormal ghost hunters. Right. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. If they drew go... any other conclusion, it would be groundbreaking. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So on that, that was just, what was I just going to ask you? Reading that made me think of this. Da, 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 da. Oh, made me think of uh, the common errors found on flash photography, blah, 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 blah. So 
let's, I wanted this to kind of lead into our kind of little offline chat about uh, ghost stories and pictures. <laughs> yeah. Really quick. Um, is the some like the photography scenes in the film rem- just also reminded me it, it was like, oh, my God, I totally forgot about this. I think it was when I was like probably 12 or 13. It wasn't too long after I moved back. Um, up here from Texas, my I went with my brother somewhere. I think he's maybe like helping this woman with like some kind of like housework, you know, maybe I don't, I can't remember, like it had something to do with like the work he was doing. And I went over there with him and this woman, older woman, like very like old senior retired had this picture on like your side table. Uh-huh. And it was like this black and white photo with like clouds and it had like this image of like, you know, you've probably seen like a million times on any kind of like religious, like text or whatever, but like Jesus coming down and like had like his palms out, <laughs> like coming down uh-huh. from the clouds, clouds, you know, stuff like this has been like faked and, um, you know, to create all different kinds of hoaxes and different manners. But, it kind of freaked me out because it looked real. And she told this story about how when like she was, I don't remember the reasons why, but was in the plane many years ago. And just, I think how she said, like her husband randomly took like a photo out the window of this plane to get a picture of the clouds. Then when they get back home, whenever they developed their film and this is the image that they got from their film that they developed and it's that image that I sent you and which always creeped me out for the longest time. I'm not, I'm, I guess I would class myself as agnostic. I don't really believe in any of that, but it just freaked me out for the longest time as a kid. And I know my brother still has like a copy of it that he made uh-huh. at his house, but that, that was a moment in the film. It just made me trigger this memory that I was like, holy shit. But anyway, I Google it today just to see if it's like, well, if it's maybe like something that was created as like a hoax back in the day, like mass produced somehow, it's like there might be something on it. And lo and behold, I found tons of different images of the same photo. Oh, okay. Allegedly this woman, she said that was her husband that took this, this photo and it's, yeah. And, and I did see like there were some varying stories online about how the picture was taking. But for the most part, like that had this that was the same story about, you know, this man that took this random shot out this window of a plane. And got so this. so you're saying that you found a bunch of reproduced copies of her photo or she reappropriated the story? I think it was I mean, so this is like early 90s. She was probably in her 80s. <laughs> okay you know like late 70s so and i think the stories some of the stories i've seen was like i'm maybe younger family mem- members like daughters or granddaughters sharing the story and i don't know if it's the same woman but like the stories line up with what i remember okay uh, but i wasn't able to find anything that would link her to like oh yeah she was in Faribault, minnesota whatever but okay so it, was, it became lore i think I think yes. this is fascinating because I I think about this a lot with this movie is and granted it's this movie's like drawing on the Amityville horror which the Warrens are tied to you know there's a little mm-hmm. poltergeist in there a ton of horror but how yeah. these stories actually become lore 
in the United States. And I think it happens a lot more in New England because it's older. There's more history to draw from. And I think ghosts in general are more reported and prevalent in New England because it's older and the history is deeper. But uh, European history, just to be perfectly clear. Right. (laughs) Um, Good call. Yeah. Uh, but this is what I find fascinating about this movie is how these, um, you know, these stories and it's so hard to identify the source that they become lore and they kind of go into this in that episode I mentioned in Astonishing Legends. So if anyone has like um, desire for further research, go check out that episode. It's so good because they talk about the book, they talk about Perón and just the stories that kind of get mixed in here and some of the inaccuracies and all that stuff. But then they bring up like, well, if, you know, just because that person didn't die on that property, are do, can ghosts not move around? You know, are right. they restricted <laughs> right. to like, we don't know the rules if they're if ghosts exist, like we don't know what their rules of travel are. You know, that's silly to assume, but I, I'm rambling. But the, the point I was making is that I love how these stories of lore and ghosts and specific things um, pop up and you don't quite know its origin. Like I'm thinking of um, one of your favorite series, the haunting at Hill house. There's... <laughs> <laughs> did you, did you get to the episode with the bent neck lady? Yeah. Okay. I, I, yeah. I, I watched the whole series. Okay. Chad is not a fan of this series. I am, <laughs> but I just bring that up as an example because the bent neck lady, that story yeah is in Andrea Perone's book. And she claims that that happened to her mom, Carolyn Perone. So it's that her mom got the bent neck. No, that her mom, like the bent neck lady. Okay. Yeah. The bent neck lady was like tormenting her mother. And granted it wasn't the same one from haunting at Hill house. Right. But it's two families, big haunted house. And they're both identifying the same monster. And that's, those are the details that I love. Like, okay, where did that come from? And how are we collectively creating these things? So I, I rambled. No, I like that. I like that. I've never really thought about this before. Like this, it's lore, right? It's not, I'm just thinking like bent neck lady, right? Like somewhere I'm thinking that this story is being passed along somehow. Yeah, but it's not like huge, right? It's not like it's like everyone knows the story. It's like the um, it's like the hipster of ghost stories. You know, it's like (laughs) it's not going to sell out. (laughs) It's only going to go to like the really cool, like down and out people. Right. But um, I like that. It's the modest mouse of. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But also like also. I'm trying to think of how to explain this actually. Or if you if you're not not a skeptic is that these these things paranormal things are there's these similarities across all these different experiences that you see or maybe what you're seeing is right that's the best thing you can make out of what you're seeing but right maybe that's not actually what you're seeing. If that right. makes any it, sense. <laughs> totally. It's these. Um, Your perception uh, of it, like that you see a bent neck lady, but what are you actually seeing that you can't perceive? Yeah, it's like this. This is the stuff that freaks me out. Like I've talked to a couple of people who have done like ayahuasca or similar um, 
you know, hallucinogenics. And oh, yeah. there's it's in similarly to ghosts, they they will describe, you know, similar figures, albeit a little bit differently, like Mama Hayawaska, I think is a big one. And mm. that's, you know, people who have completely different because it's in your mind. You know, you yeah. it's, everything you see is in your mind, but they can all identify this one common thing or creature or commonalities in between it. And I think like I consider myself a skeptic, but then I hear stuff like that. And that's the kind of stuff that knocks me on my ass. It's like, well, how can like three different minds with different lived experiences who are taking the same drug experience a same vision of something they've never seen before previously? Right. Right. You know, and there may be an explanation. Maybe they heard of it. Maybe that's something they're bringing into their trip. You know, there might always be an explanation. But yeah, that reminds me of when I had this very short period of time where I was like dropping lots of acid. Mm -hmm. And my favorite thing to do was to drop acid. And we had this we call it the 100 foot tunnel in (laughs) Faribo. And it used to be like an old, old, like. I don't even know what the true lore is, but it it's really close to this old like day camp and school for like the it's by like the deaf or the school for like the hearing impaired. And it's also by this old day camp where they had it was like a um, like a boarding house, mm-hmm. I think. And there's like an old unmarked grave. I think they actually marked the grave not too long ago. This is all like by the train tracks on the other side of the tracks is this long tunnel we call the hundred foot tunnel. Well, we would drop acid, go down there. It's like pitch dark. <laughs> oh my God. And like, you would see like crazy. I wouldn't see the bent neck lady, but you, I was like, one time I was like, I saw like these kind of like tall, skinny, like humanoid, like, you know, arms, legs, like bodies, you know, like, yeah, no, no definition to them, but just like, they were just like kind of stretching out into the, like the sky. And I thought I saw stars, but I was in a tunnel. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> it also made me think of um I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, go ahead. I was just listening to there's the same this guy just wrote this book called like your brain on plants or something like that. Oh, Michael Pollan. Michael Pollan, yeah, he was on um Joe Rogan and he was also on Larry, uh, Wilmore. Larry Wilmore's podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I heard that. Tw- so he was saying like they were finding that was it called Argnot or some chemical that's like a hallucinogen. And they found traces of it on these uh, chalice cups that they used for. Jeez, um, what's that called? You drink the wine, you eat the body of Christ. Oh, the, communion? Uh, communion. <laughs> like when they do the communion cup, they found traces of like this hallucinogen on the cup. And they're like, oh, this was used back in, I don't know, like whatever, hundreds of years ago for communion. And it's like, oh, was this part of the experience? The religious experience was like, were these hallucinogens used in um, oh, no communion way. as well? And like, you know, like, use, like they've said to you, like they're talking about like just these different uses of close in the gins through these other like religious experiences. So kind of made me think of what you're saying too, about these people that have kind of like these shared experiences that don't know one, one another, but the stories sound almost identical. Right. So I like that. 
there's something down tra- trapped deep in our brain that's <laughs> being released somehow. Right. Well, and it was it, it it was almost more fun before the internet too because like you would just you would hear a story and you know I go to a different state or whatever and it's like how do you know about that too? You know, right. like Bloody exactly. Mary or whatever. You know, yes. pick your favorite <laughs> urban legend. And yeah, before information got way more easier to access and send, it was a lot more, I, I guess, just fun or confounding even. Like, wait, how right. do you know about that? Right. That also makes me think of um, you were more, it made it more believable that a, a based on a true story movie was actually true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when, I feel like nowadays, like everything is like based on a true story, like. Yeah, they kind of take some liberties with that line, that statement. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, unless we have like documentary footage of Michael Jordan winning the 98 championship. It's like, I, I don't know. I, you know. Right. <laughs> Might have happened. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> Might be a basketball player. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's, um, let's see here. I was going to say, I I feel for the uh, unbaptized children in this film because when they go to the priest to get whatever permission Uh or guidance to do the, God, the, not seance, the exorcism. (laughs) Yes. You know, and the priest says, he's like, well, well, the children, they're not baptized. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, <laughs> I feel you, kids. I'm not baptized either. I've been <laughs> I've been I haven't ran away from that, that criticism from from family in a long time. And now that I have my own kids now, we get asked all the time when we're going to baptize them. So and I was like, um, yeah, I don't think agnostics baptize, but uh, I'll look into that. <laughs> I like that note. I don't think they do, but I'll look into that. <laughs> All right. So I, I did tell you that I, I, I love the film or like the film. Yeah. Uh, I did have some things that I thought were kind of funny. And I wanted to ask you if you had an answer for them. Yes. Let's so go. when I talk about when was a bath, Bathsheba, the one that hung herself. Yep. Bathsheba. Bathsheba. <laughs> Right. So do they literally mean that she hung herself on that tree by the house or is that just supposed to be like a just a representation of the act? Because in my head, I'm thinking like, well, if the tree, you know, if this like takes place, what, like 40 years after that, Uh I'm guessing like, do you think the tree was that tall when she actually hung herself? Because I was like, well, maybe the tree wasn't. That's, that's a damn that's, good point. That's a hundred year old tree right there. That's which is not yeah, which is not impossible. I'm gonna Google the age of an oak tree, but you're right, it would be a lot smaller. Yeah, and I was like, oh the branch probably wasn't there. It was like a smaller branch. I don't know if that would have hold held her weight, but I was like, maybe she's a very tiny person. I don't know. Oh, here we go. Under under perfect conditions. So one would assume uncursed land. A, a white oak can live to be 300 or more years old okay all right so 
plausible. <laughs> I, I like. So we're guessing this could be a very yeah. We're just going to go with very old oak tree. Yeah, I like your challenge <laughs> though because that's like. <laughs> Again, these are the things I thought of, but I wasn't going to let let it ruin the movie for me. Right, it was like like what else was going on. Because I'm more interested in the lore of everything in that room or whatever is going on in that in that doll. <laughs> right. That's an, that's another thing I, I forgot to touch on too. I like how the movie opens. Which oh with yeah, which with this, Annabelle. Yeah, so we have that, but then I like how it stops and we get this little like text that scrolls that kind of explain like gives you a quick little background on Ed and Lorraine. And just how that scroll, I think it just scrolls past the screen or maybe it fades up and fades away. Yep. That was really cool because it gave me like a uh, unsolved mysteries moment or something like that of like a, a show of show of that caliber, you know, yeah. <laughs> or just like, a, you know, where you get like the freeze frame and like these, these ended up being victims of so-and-so or something like that. It gave me that, that I really like that. Cause I think sometimes horror movies for me, like the openings can be a little, I don't know. I can see how this could have came up like really campy too. And I feel like it really nailed it. Um, I, I agree. Well, in, in the opening too, that could be a short film. You know, it's a, it's yeah. a contained little oh, yeah. story with the yeah. doll. Yes. I found that very cool. Very cool. And again, that's what I, I started watching that. And I was like, what, what is this conjuring thing? <laughs> Cause I think that's when I was like, we got to do the conjuring. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm my, my interest is peaked now. Um, Yes, but yeah, oh, I'm pumped for sure. Um, I had another question for you. Here, damn it, it's right here. How did they know the witch died at exactly three oh seven? Oh yeah, <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> Great point. <laughs> the, the sundial in the yard froze. <laughs> and then again, was it? Were they talking about? Was that the time the witch died, or the time when? Bath, oh, Bathsheba just, died. Well, they said um, Bathsheba was no wait. Bathsheba was a relative of one of the witches from Salem, right? I that was think so. Yeah, yeah a relative of Marytown Eastie. Yep, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it does. It does. the The movie does declare that Bathsheba killed herself at three o seven in the morning. Okay. And, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's like it's three o seven, girls. <laughs> right. <laughs> great point i think <laughs> i mean there's a i think that that's probably a nod to amityville horror um i guess uh george lutz consistently wakes up at 3 15 a.m and and they oh, kind of yeah. say it i mean like ed warren says that's the devil's hour or whatever yeah you know? but i i do like your point it's like yeah we how do we know that was the time oh, i think i woke up at 3 15 a.m today Dude, I this <laughs> happened to me like two weeks ago. I had a bad dream, and I woke up and I looked in. It was three oh seven. I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> That's awesome. That's uh, awesome. I also yeah. had like another bad night of sleep like last week too, and I woke up like at it was like two thirty. I woke up, you know, like kids waking you up, and I can't get back to sleep. Then I finally like lay back down. I'm like super tired. I feel relaxed. Then my dog gets up and needs to go outside. I'm just like, ugh. And then I just go online and I go through like my Twitter feed and like one of the first tweets I saw was somebody saying, Hey, are you not having like a great night of sleep either or something like that? Something about <laughs> sleep. 
but there was like a tweet from like hours before and it was from like somebody from like uk so it's like it's just odd timing like maybe there's something going on in the world right now or or passing through a comet's tail i don't know <laughs> i think we are man my my sleep's been pretty spotty these past couple yeah. weeks i'm blaming on all the probably the air quality yeah that's that's a good call it's more scientific <laughs> all right oh one other thing is i had one of my other nits um picks that i have is i have this with any kind of movie that takes place in the past whether it's like i don't know probably any more than like maybe 10 years ago or 20 years maybe more than like 20 years ago uh-huh. when they try to do like the costume design for the characters i feel i just it just bugs me when everybody's like clothing looks too clean and in this movie like everyone's clothes like fits the era but everyone's clothes is like too clean like everything kind of looks like it just was purchased off the rack you know at retro yeah apparel and accessories and uh (laughs) That just but that just that bugs me too. And like anytime it's like say if it's like a film that's sitting set in the sixties, it's like everybody has a car that was made in the sixties. And like, oh, like you gotta think of like people, you know, people didn't always have a lot of money, right? So like people were probably driving older cars. It'd be nice to see some like cars that are maybe from the fifties or maybe kind of rusting out a little bit or like in rough shape. Right. So that always kind of bothers me, like when everything is just kind of like clean and crisp, especially like the cameraman dude. And his like brown leather jacket. That thing was oh, way too clean. Way too clean. Everyone's hair is like way too clean. Everyone looked look like they just like washed their hair before they went right on the set. Like I want to see some like greasy hair, maybe like a stain on a shirt or, you know, Ed's like uh, a sweater vest or whatever the hell he's wearing is like isn't maybe has some more pillowing on it or something (laughs) 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 but again i didn't again didn't let that ruin the film for me Uh, that's that's very that's a very specific criticism i i'm all about it though that's it's funny how these weird things just kind of bother it's it's this is not the same at all but kind of it's Mm. the reason i never started that hbo show chernobyl is because everyone's speaking english and for whatever reason my mind just like they're in Russia. Why aren't they speaking Russian? And right. <laughs> and I swear to God, that's like the one hang up that's prevented me from starting it. It's supposed to be a great series, and I'm sure it is. But oh, it is. It has Jared Harris in it, man. Ah, yes. The great Russian actor, Jared Harris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't usually bother me. Actually, it. it it bothers me more when if like, say this was uh, like Chernobyl, it would bother me more if everyone was speaking English and like a Rus- Russian accent. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's very fair. I mean, yeah, at least they didn't do that. <laughs> oh man. All right. Do you have anything else, Jamie, you want to discuss um, about this I- film? No, I think we did pretty good justice. Real quick, though, I wanted to know if you did have any favorite scenes or sequences. Oh, yeah. That's a great question for a movie podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> I Let me think of it. What about you? Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of a specific scene, but I think um, I really enjoyed the uh, 
the sequence where they're trying to get back home to Judy and Lorraine loses her locket in the um I think it's in the basement after she oh, falls yep. through the house. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just the way that the darkness kind of comes down the hallway after Judy and just the sense of creeping dread and kids in danger always works. You're, yes, you know, yeah. I, pins and needles like, oh, man, you guys get home to your kid. Um, I really like that. And I, for some reason, this wasn't a scene per se, but the <laughs> the character Brad in this movie, the police officer. Oh, Officer I, Brad, <laughs> Officer Brad, I, he just cracked me up. I I was all about Officer Brad in this movie for this watch. I don't know why. Yeah, he's kind of a goofball. Yeah, <laughs> I know there was like the scene where like he comes out of the bathroom. Oh yeah, because like, oh. like the like the bell starts ringing on the the bathroom knob door or bathroom doorknob, and he just comes out of there like after he flushes the toilet. It's kind of. It's kind of comical, but then in my head, I'm just like, man, what? I don't understand. Why? Why did you have to put that in there? Sure. (laughs) That's fair. And then like the the kind of little back and forth. Actually, I'm not I'm not going to nitpick this anymore. I did not enough already. The more favorite scenes. I I did really like the opening um, of this movie. Um, Like you said, it's kind of like that story within a story thing. But Mm -hmm. actually, I really kind of like the part where they're or she's hanging up like sheets or whatever on the clothesline and like the uh-huh. gust of wind comes and it yes. like, blows off and it like you can see like the shape of the body and the sheet and then it just like takes off and goes up to the window. Yes, so that was that was really cool. And I know they, they did some really cool effects on that. But again, I think the effects in this movie were done so well, like it, it was it blended in so well that I wasn't able to really tell. Like if it was like CGI or not, there's some really cool practical practical effects. But then right. I also have to say too the the exorcism part, which again for me it just still it comes off a little campy. But also I thought it was really cool, like when like she stops shaking around in the chair, uh huh, and then like everything stops and gets quiet. Yeah. And I have to give a nod to uh, the uh, swinging light bulb. <laughs> yeah, because that thing doesn't stop. But like the chair, like all like it's quiet and the chair starts to rise. <laughs> yeah. And turns over. Like, it's like, it, yeah. I mean, it's like I was like, I don't I'm in, in, in the back of my head. I'm like, I shouldn't like this, but I think this is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> when you have the chair slamming like upside down on the ceiling. So it's kind of. Yeah, I like that. Oh, I love it. I am. Um... Yeah, this is I, I'm glad you brought up the sheet scene. I'm changing my answer to that. I, I, I always forget about that scene. It's like it sneaks up on me. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of the scariest sequences in the movie. Yeah, and it has like a cool like the just the, the sound effects on that is yes. really cool, too. And yes, so I give that. What would you uh, did you give this uh, score on your letterbox? Oh, shoot. I sure did. Let me see if I can find it. It was it's in the four to five range. I can't remember if I gave it a four four and a half or a five um what'd you give it while i look i gave it let me see here i think i gave it a three okay i think i still gave it a three but again i i'm i'm in for i'm in for i could see the sequel maybe being better than this one but we'll find out but because we're going to do that one next yes i believe but yeah, I'm excited too. I've only seen Conjuring two once, and I, I don't remember if I liked it more than the first one or not. All right. 
Um, oh, and real quick before we go, I just wanted to shout out this movie because I think it's overlooked. Um, so James Wan, he directed, famously saw, and um, checking to see if he directed any of the other movies in this franchise. Um, I think he did. Didn't he also do two? Yep, you're right. He did two. Um, but his movie Dead Silence. Did you ever see that one, Chad? No, I did not. It's you'll you'll recognize the movie cover. It's the one with like the um Slappy the dummy with the the finger over his mouth. It Oh yeah. It I I I bought it on a whim because it was James Wan and I was like, "Oh, you know, it's one of his earlier movies. I wonder if it's any good." It is so great. It's like a f- awesome underrated B horror movie that I feel like nobody saw or if they saw it like nobody mentioned it. It's he he does a lot of his cool tricks, some similar like monster aesthetics he brings into this movie. It's like I said it's kind of B movie, it's kind of goofy with the okay. the um what are they called? Ventriloquist dummies, but Oh yeah, yep. It's a lot of fun. So, I would say anyone who hasn't seen Dead Silence, check that one out. That's uh now that you've explained the that movie to me and that the name of that movie is awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right should we wrap it up yep all right before we go i want to thank you for downloading this episode of movie time machine monster closet edition remember new episodes drop on fridays please send your questions comments and feedback to movie time machine pod at gmail.com you can also follow us on twitter at movie time machine thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time bye bye bye